You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. It's be an exciting day in the house. We've already had so much fun already, and it's just going to keep getting better. Somebody say, it just keeps getting better. You know, the funny thing is, is as you walk through life with Christ, and, and especially with, with great people around you, it does just keep getting better. Now, that doesn't mean that troubles don't happen, because trials of many types do come, and we can expect that there will be some resistance, there will be some battles. And uh, especially right now in this season, I think maybe more than ever in my lifetime, I've recognized that there are certain essential things that we do need to focus on, and I know that... It's, it's God's design and it's God's timing that we're entering into this new series right now that's about prayer. And this, this series we're in, Let Us Pray, it, um, it, it is a powerful time for us because if you look at the state of the church around the world, there's definitely some things going on that, that need to be addressed and maybe can only be addressed through prayer. If I look at, at nations like Australia, where they're in complete lockdown mode, even though in this entire year, there's been nine deaths due to COVID, but they're still locked down completely. Explain that one to me. And uh, and in you know several like it's basically a totalitarian state down there. And there's Christians down there that have lost their voice, that have lost their their will to stand up. They can't meet like we do. And it was even said to them, you can't even have somebody singing like by themselves to a camera leading worship to, that goes out on the internet because somehow that's dangerous. It's interesting how, how the devil is constantly trying to silence the voice of the church, silence the voice of worship. If I think about what's going on in Afghanistan right now, where Christians are being persecuted, Christians are being murdered because of their beliefs, I, I start to think about what really is essential. What's essential for a Christian? And, and absolutely, you know, as Christians, we believe the Bible is the word of God. And so that is the one, one of the most essential, if not the most essential thing in our Christian walk. But in Afghanistan, the Taliban is going door to door and looking for Bibles. And they're actually searching through people's phones to see if there's even a Bible app on their phone. And who knows what happens if they find something like that. So, so even the Bible can be taken away from you. Even the Bible can be ripped out of your hand, which is why it's good actually to read the word and, and memorize scripture and get it in you so that even if they take it away from you, they can never pull it out of your heart. But there are some certain things, some specific things that are essential that can never be taken away from you. And prayer is one of those. And, and you might think, well, okay, I mean, those are, those are other nations around the world. We live in the U.S. That's never going to happen to us. Well, there was a time not too long ago where we couldn't meet in church, or it was against the law to meet in church. We didn't actually always follow those laws. But we believe that, that you know, we're protected somehow because we're the U.S. Well, for how much longer? In our generation, in our kids' generation, our grandkids' generation— Will there come a time where we won't be allowed to meet in church like this, where we won't be allowed to read the Bible? Every generation has the responsibility to pursue the essential matters, the essential things of Christianity. Amen? So I'm gonna, I want to put it to you this way, and I love audience participation. You can shout, cheer, say amen, do, it, do whatever you want to do. But I want to ask you some questions, too. And so one thing I want to ask you if you were stranded in the wilderness, maybe deep in the bush or in the woods or somewhere else, and you had food and water, you had food and water, what would be perhaps the most essential skill or most useful skill for you to have? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody? What? 
Start a fire. That's right. If you ha- wouldn't that be a, a decent skill, a useful skill to know if you're off alone in the woods, be able to start a fire. The title of this message is Fire Starter. Fire Starter. And kind of the central, the central scripture for this series, Let Us Pray, is in uh, James 5.13. And I'm going to read 13 to 16 in the NLT. And this is under the heading, The Power of Prayer. The Power of Prayer. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Direct, simple, easy. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and watch this, and the Lord, the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Somebody say amen. Amen. So good. All right. So with that verse, with that scripture in mind, I have a pop quiz for you. Pop quiz. Get ready. Okay. So you're getting ready for work. It's in the morning. Maybe you're running a little bit behind and you grab your, your, your purse or your wallet and you're about to head out the door and then you go to that place where you always leave your keys but your keys aren't there. So, pop quiz, what do you do? A, A, do you search frantically around the house in the last five pants, pair of pants that you've worn, in the purses that are they're strewn all over? Do you, uh, maybe, maybe if you have a fob, sometimes I'll go out to my car and push the start button. Maybe it's, maybe it's in there. I don't know. Anybody else do that? That's A. That's A. All right, B, do you pray and thank God for revealing to you the location of the keys? Do you see, see, get an Uber to your pastor's house and have him lay hands on you so that you can miraculously find your keys? D, do you apologize to your spouse or roommate for all the things that you've ever done wrong and ask them to pray over you so that you can get rid of forgetfulness? So what's the answer? What's the right answer? So somebody said C. B, B, B is the answer. You pray. I can't tell you how many times I have lost something, and I go to God in prayer, and then he reveals it to me. And also, my, my kids, every time they come to me and say, Dad, I can't find this thing, what's, what's the first thing I say to them? Have you prayed? Have you prayed? And, and when I pray with them, I can't remember a time that we haven't found the thing that they were looking for. The power of prayer is important. And whoever said C, come speak to me afterwards. we got something to talk about. I want to talk about the abilities of a fire, fire starter, four specific abilities of a fire starter. And it, as it says in that scripture, James 5.13, if you're suffering hardships, the first thing that you do, your first response, your default condition should be prayer, that you should initiate on your own. And then absolutely, there's times, there's situations, there's circumstances where you should Come to, to your connect group leader. You should come into church. You should raise your hand during the book of miracles prayers. You should get that help, that, that community of faith, that body of faith to come with you and agree with you that you have been healed or you have been set free or the, the miracles happened or the prayer has been answered. But the first ability of a fire starter that I want to talk about is create a spark. Create a spark. All right, so some more audience participation. Who are, my, who are my Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, avid campers in the room? Okay, anybody? Okay, so what are, some, what are some ways that if you don't have a lighter, don't have a match, you can start a fire? Anybody? What are some ways? Friction, friction. Flint, yes, yeah, stealing flint. What else? 
The sun, the sun, you guys are good. You guys are on top of it. And um, like, like there's def definitely so many ways to start a fire. Just show of hands, has anybody actually put two pieces of wood together and used friction to make a fire? Come on, there's some, there, there you go. Come on, I'm gonna go camping with you guys. So the first thing, the first thing that I, that I uh, wanna talk about is, is actually the sun, the sun. So what do you need, what do you need if you're gonna use the sun to start a fire? Magnifying glass, magnifying glass. And why is that? Because the magnifying glass will actually concentrate, it will focus the power of the sun. And I started to think about that, and I was actually looking it up a little bit, and you can actually use uh, the bottom of a glass bottle or an aluminum can if you polish it with toothpaste or what I found out is chocolate. You can actually use chocolate to bottom of the, polish the bottom of the glass to make it very reflective and concentrate, concentrate that. But it says that if you do use chocolate to polish the bottom of an aluminum can, don't eat the chocolate afterwards. It's probably got some stuff in it that's not good for you. But I was thinking about that, a concentrated source of light. And, and I was starting to think, well, in the Bible, is there an example of that? And I actually found uh, in, the, in 1 Kings 18, the story of Elijah, the story of Elijah. And many of us have probably heard this, where Elijah goes up to the mountain and stands against the prophets of Baal, and, and he calls down fire, right? Fire from heaven. That's concentrated power source, concentrated light from heaven onto a single point. So that's an example where Elijah uses the power, that, that concentrated power to bring fire, to bring light. And I was thinking about that. I was like, well, why, why is that significant? And how does that apply to us? Well, if you go back and read this story in, in 1 Kings 18, you'll find that throughout the entire process, the way that Elijah concentrates the focus, the power, the light from above is by a little thing called faith, a little thing called faith. And, and just personally, me, if I were to, to go up and, and have this type of encounter against basically an entire uh, regime, 450 prophets of Baal, and then there was also 400 prophets of Asherah, that didn't come up the mountain. But, but if I was going to do that, before I went to do, to do that, I would actually maybe practice first, you know, because at this time, Elijah had never seen God come down and bring fire and consume anything. It, it hadn't been done in his lifetime. He didn't, he didn't know that he could do it, but he had faith that God would respond. And God responds to faith. In, in fact, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. So he doesn't go practice on his own. No, he goes before the king. He goes before the queen, the entire nation. And he says, too long have we been divided between the Lord our God and all of these other gods. We're going to choose this day who we shall serve. He steps out with bold faith. And, and watch this. He doesn't just stop there. He brings everybody up there. And he says, okay, we're going we're gonna to build two altars. You go off and build your altar and put the, the bull on there, the sacrifice, and I'm going to do that over here. And he lets them go first. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're singing and chanting and dancing and trying to, to call down fire from heaven. And it's kind of funny, like God has a sense of humor. Uh, at about the, the ninth hour, which is noon, uh, Elijah starts mocking them. He says, hey, hey, why don't you sing louder? Maybe he's taking a nap. Or maybe your God is off asleep. Oh, he's very busy, I'm sure. You need, to, you need to do more. You need to cut yourself more. You need to chant more to wake him up. And, and of course, nothing happens, right? But everything that Elijah is doing, he's focusing faith. And then it comes to his turn, and he steps up. And this is in the middle of a drought, right? So what's the most precious thing in the middle of a drought? Water, water. So what does he do? He prepares the altar. He prepares the bowl. And then he has people pour water 
water, the most precious thing, the most precious commodity. Three times he has them pour water on the sacrifice, on the altar, and even filling up a trench around the altar. And it's only then that he starts to pray. After he's done focusing in so many ways, after he's done demonstrating faith in so many ways, then he prays. And what does God do? God responds to faith. God answers by fire. And an entire nation is turned away from evil because of one man's decision to exercise faith, to start a fire, to catch us, to create a spark. Another way that, that we can create a spark is somebody said with Flint, with Flint. And this is also something that I found in the Bible. We're going to look at Isaiah 50, 6 and 7. Isaiah 50, verses 6 and 7. And this is the prophet, prophet Isaiah speaking about the Messiah to come. And he says this, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. This is so powerful to me. Jesus, even though they were mocking him, even though they were beating him, even though that he had stripes on his back from where they whipped him, that he set his face in a steadfast way, so strong, so secure, not to be deterred, deterred because he knew the prize set before him. The Bible says because of the prize set before him, Jesus gladly, gladly endured the cross for our sake. And, and this is such a beautiful picture. And, and why do I bring it up? Specifically because it says in the Bible that his face was set like flint, which we know is something that's used to start a fire. And, and, and it's, it's interesting what happens because the devil was trying to defeat God, defined, trying to defeat Christianity, trying to, to stamp out who he knew to be the Messiah so that nobody else could experience the Messiah, so nobody else could experience the Savior. But, but, but we know that God uses all things to work together for good. And so what God did, because of the steadfastness of Jesus, when they were beating him, when they were mocking him, when they hang, hung him on a cross, when he died, that was actually the start of a fire. That created a spark that would last for all of eternity. And watch this. From before that time, for thousands of years of recorded human history, nobody had ever prayed a prayer in the name of Jesus. Nobody ever said, in Jesus' name, amen. Everybody had prayed prayers to Yahweh. They knew that there was a one true God. They, they, they knew that they were supposed to pray. And, and God did reveal himself at times, but it was very rarely and usually only through specific prophets. But after this time, after Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, and rose again the third day later... From that time on, no longer do we just have to rely on prophets. We actually get to have a personal relationship with God. We actually have, we get to have God with us. When we pray, the Holy Spirit is there because Jesus, when he went up, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper so that we actually get to pray prayers and expect to have a personal communication with God. Expect that he will respond to us. Expect that God will move because of one man's decision to set his face like flint and create a spark. Amen? Another way that somebody said that we can start a fire is, is through friction, through friction. And this can happen in an accidental way, and I think we've actually had some fires in California started this way where perhaps there's a, there's a train going down a track and they, they hit the brakes pretty hard and it starts to create a lot of friction, a lot of heat, and generate sparks. And maybe there's some, some dry brush or something around the tracks that catches that spark. And so, so friction can be used to start a fire. 
It's very interesting because we live in a fallen world. And what does that mean? It just means that, that um, sin has entered into our world. And so as we walk through life, we are going to encounter problems. There are going to be things that pop up in our face, in our way, that are not God's design and intent for us. That, that we are actually called to resist those things. And when the forces of evil come against the forces of good and our heavenly father, there's going to be some sparks. There's going to be some friction. There's going to be a little bit of a fire that started. And so we can actually use that. And we are supposed to use that. We are supposed to risk, resist. We are supposed to create that friction. I remember very clearly there was a time about six years ago, in fact, um, in June of 2015, where I was sitting down at my desk at work, and I just started to get this knot in my stomach. And I had no idea, like, where it was coming from. It wasn't, wasn't lunch yet, and I had, it felt fine all the morning after breakfast. Didn't feel like it was something that I ate. But this knot kept building and building, and, and it was kind of making me nauseous. And I'd been in this church for a while, so I kind of knew that, all right, that I need to respond in prayer. Any, any physical situation you face, like lost keys, like lost whatever, our default should be to respond in prayer. So I got up from my desk, and, and I had made a habit of this from time to time, to, to, to do prayer walks around my building at work, to declare favor over the, my workplace, to declare favor over my life, to take on my lunch break, take 10 minutes and go walk around. And so just in the middle of, of my work day, like not at a normal time, I got up and I went around and I started to pray. And I, I had one of my good buddies, Jake, who worked at the office with me. I, I, it's always good to have a prayer partner. I had him come out and it's like, hey, would you come do a prayer walk with me? And so we went out and we prayed and I felt, I felt there was a bit of a release. Like I felt as we were praying, the, the knot kind of loosened a little bit and, and felt better. I didn't know what it was about still. I didn't know what was going on, but just felt a little release. So I went back to my desk and sat down. But, but sure enough, just a short time later, started to get this knot again, started to get this thing. I'm like, what is going on? What in the world? Like, I, you know, I prayed, I felt a release. And so now what? You know, and so the only thing I, I could think of was like, well, I better, better go out again and pray again. And so I started prayer walk and I, I called my dad and just wanted to talk to him, hear his voice. And, and I prayed a little bit and it felt a, felt a little bit of a release. But then I get back to my desk, and still this thing will not go away. And now I'm starting to get a little bit nauseous, starting to feel a little sick. I'm like, well, I can't even work, so I might as well just go out to my car and maybe turn on worship music and, and rest, you know, just try and let it pass. And so I did that. I went out, and I, and I leaned my seat back, and I put on worship music, and, and I tried to relax, and eventually it did pass. And I, I didn't at the time have any idea what that was about. But then the very next day, I saw this come up on the news. June, June 26, 2015, the Supreme Court handed down a decision to legalize gay marriage in this entire country. And I just knew in my spirit that a day prior, that's exactly what I had been praying about. And then even though the decision was handed down the next day, I felt like there was something happening the day before when the Holy Spirit had urged me to pray, had, had, had put this knot in my stomach. Maybe there was a wrestle going on in the mind of one of the justices. The, the verdict that was handed down was five to four, so it was really only one vote, one person's vote that determined the entire country would legalize gay marriage. And that was something that sat heavy on me, especially when I saw this verse, Proverbs 24.10. 24.10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Somebody say, ouch. Ouch. That's what I felt in that time. I felt, as, uh, as my good friend Dr. Matt would say, that I folded like a deck chair. 
that, that I, my, my strength was small in that day of adversity. And, and I believe that there was probably many other people praying for that, that moment at that time. I believe the Holy Spirit was pouring out his spirit onto, onto many people to pray, a call to prayer. But I know in that moment that I didn't follow through the way that I should have. And, but I decided in my heart that whenever I felt something like that again, that the same thing was not going to happen, that I was going to continue to press in, I was going to continue to pray, and then when I feel the release, I was going to rejoice about it. I wasn't going to just faint, I wasn't going to rest, I wasn't going to go to sleep, I wasn't going to fold like a deck chair, that actually have authority in heaven to see a shift that will happen. And, and you'll find this too, whenever the Holy Spirit moves in your life, that, that when you respond, you will get a release. You will feel like something has shifted, something has happened. And if it keeps coming back, then keep pressing in and praying. Keep believing that you can actually start a spark, that you can make a difference, that your prayers going up to heaven will have an impact. Somebody say amen. So however the, however the spark is created, whether it's focused faith, whether it's a steadfast resolve, or whether it's a, a response to problems, what we do need is, is for the spark to sustain. We do need a way to catch the spark. And that's the next ability I want to talk about, to catch a spark. So if you're starting a fire, you know, probably the hardest part is creating that spark. But then once you've created the spark, you need something to, to hold on to it. You need something to guide it. And usually we'll use little bits of leaves or, or tinder, something that can catch easily. So it will turn the spark into a flame. And, and basically what you need is a system because it's a, very, it's a very delicate moment when that spark is first lit up, like a wind comes in and blows or it doesn't get enough oxygen. Many things can happen to quench that spark. And so you actually have to have a system ready to go so that you can catch the spark. I want to talk about two different ways that we can do that, that we can catch the spark. One, the first is a personal way, a personal way. And we're going to go to Matthew 6, 6. And the, the context of this verse is, is that... Um, there, there's a, a right way and a right spirit about how we pray. We shouldn't come up on stage and try and be like very eloquent and use all these 10-letter words and, and be braggadocious and, and, and make a spectacle or a show of ourselves. The Bible says that if you do that, then, then you've already received your reward. You're not going to get anything from God. But we should, we should, as this verse says, and in Matthew 6, it says this, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And this is a very personal way to pray, and this is a, this is a good way to pray. And I'm going to talk in a little bit about a corporate way to pray. It is good to pray with other people also. But first, I want to, I want to touch on this. Has anybody seen the movie War Room? Great movie, great movie, War Room, where this, this beautiful lady, she creates this space in her house, and this is her, her, her war room, her prayer closet. This is where she goes to petition heaven. Whenever she gets that knot in her stomach, whenever she feels there's something that she needs to, to do battle in, in the spiritual realm, she goes into this closet, and she had cleared it out of anything else. This was just her her space, and she put up little memorabilia and markers of all the victories that she had won in the war, in the war room. And uh, in this church, you might hear the term drop zone. We like to use drop zone a lot when we're talking about our war room or our space where we get a drop from heaven. You know, one drop from heaven can change your life. And uh, Pastor John Heinrichs, he, he preached an amazing message about this. You can go on the app and look it up, the drop zone. But, uh, but this is a space where, where we know this, this is our, our territory. This is our personal space. And I, um, in, in my last house, we had a balcony on our second floor. And uh, late at night when the boys were asleep and, and Lisa was asleep, I'd, I'd put on a robe and I'd go out there and I'd, I'd just do 
circles on that balcony. I just walk and walk and walk around there praying and, and believing. And I love, I love being outside. I love uh, hearing from God outside, especially at night when I can see all the stars, see the heavens, and, uh, and just like kind of be in awe of what God has done. And, uh, and, and so many times I remember walking around that balcony and, and just this peace would come upon me. Just this, this reverence would come upon me and I would, I would know that God was listening to me. It, felt, it was such a personal moment, a personal experience with God. And through those, those prayer times, I saw so many answers come. And, and maybe right there in that moment or maybe over the next week or, or however long, God would show up in these miraculous ways. And I, and I knew I could trace it back to those times where I had that relationship with him, where I was just talking with him. And in this house, um, our new house that we built uh, two and a half years ago, I was kind of regretting that, uh, you know, we had, we had some decision points to make in the, in the course, and we had the option to put a balcony in, but we decided against it. And I was beating myself. I'm like, that was my prayer room. That was my drop zone. Like, I should have put it in there. But God will meet you where you're at. So I found a new drop zone. I, I go on my back porch, and, and I circle around. Sometimes I walk out in my backyard. Sometimes I, I go on the trampoline. Who knows? That's a good place to be a drop zone, on the trampoline. And, uh, and, and I hear from God, and I pray to heaven, and I petition God, and I, and I pour out my heart, and, uh, and he responds in amazing ways. But I do want to caution you because um, I don't want you to do this out of a, a religious obligation. I don't want you to do it just like out of a forced nature or a forced habit. Like it should be your personal choice. It should be your personal decision. Because there, honestly, there's some times when I, when I go out and pray where, where it does feel a little bit forced. I feel like I'm doing it just because I'm supposed to. I remember one night, I was, uh, it was late at night, and, and I hadn't prayed in a few days or, or maybe a week, and, uh, and I felt like, oh, I need to go. I need to go to the drop zone. I need to pray, but I was kind of tired. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. So I go out and put my robe on. It was, it was kind of cold, so I, I grab a blanket and wrap around me, and, and uh, sometimes I'll just walk around. Sometimes I'll go down on my knees, and I'll pray, and, and this time I went down on my knees, and so I'm just sitting there on my knees with my robe, the blanket over my head. And uh, it, to be honest, it wasn't a very powerful, powerful prayer session. You know, I was kind of like not even really half in it. And I know this because I fell asleep. I fell asleep in my prayer time. So I'm sitting down there, sitting on my knees, sleeping. And then like, I don't even know how long I was asleep. But, but I wake up, and I know it had to have been a little while because my legs were also fast asleep. I couldn't feel them at all. Like I'm sitting there on my knees, my legs are asleep, and then finally I, I start to move it a little bit, and then what happens? All the blood starts rushing into my legs because they've been bent over, and I felt the most intense pain I think that I've ever felt in my life because all, all the blood was flowing back into my legs, and I'm thinking, this is not a very good prayer session. <laughs> this, is, this is not going well. You know, so I want to caution you, don't do it out of a forced obligation. And when you pray, just like if you were talking to your spouse and you fell asleep while you were talking to them, it probably wouldn't go too well for you. Well, God doesn't like it when you fall asleep when you're talking to him either. And so make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. Make sure that when you pray, that, that you have the right spirit, the right heart. And, and, and you might think, well, okay, how often are you supposed to do it? Well, just like Stan said in the offering, you know, do it often. Do it often. And it says even in... Um, in Luke 5.16, talking about Jesus. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So be a frequent visitor to your drop zone. Be a frequent inhabitant of your war room. And, uh, and you'll learn how to pray. And maybe you're, maybe you're new to prayer and you're thinking, okay, well, how long should I pray? Well, my advice would be to treat it kind of like a new pair of boots. You know, when you first get a new pair of boots, you're probably not going to wear it for an entire eight-hour day right off the bat. You put it on maybe for like five minutes, try it out, get used to it like feel it out a little bit, let your feet get comfortable to it. Same thing with prayer. Try it out. 
Feel it out. Maybe, maybe five minutes is, a, is, is just the right amount for you when you start. Maybe you want to like, pray for an hour, but, but allow God to, to work with you in that space and, and try out different drop zones. Maybe you have a, a war room. Maybe you have a closet that you like to go into where you can be at peace and rest and shut off everything else around you. Maybe it is outside like me. Maybe, maybe it's uh, around your workplace. Maybe your drop zone is just to go out. Maybe go around, walk around your house, pray over your house, pray around your neighborhood. Several times I would go on walks around my neighborhood and just pray, declare favor over my neighbors, declare favor, protection over that space. Wherever it is that you go to meet with God, just like let it be a, a relationship with him. You know, a, allow yourself to hear from him. Allow yourself to experience what he has for you. And then we want to uh, come to the corporate way. So that was the personal way, the corporate way. I, I have not found any better method, any better way to pray corporately than, with, uh, than, than in men and women's prayer. So men, Tuesday morning, 5.30, right back there. Ladies, Thursday morning, 7 a.m., right back there. We come together as a church, and we pray. And, um, and, and I know that if you go around and you talk to any of the men or the ladies that have been a part of that prayer group, they will tell you that it has revolutionized their prayer life. It has changed their life so much. I know for me personally, about 10 years ago, when I first started attending men's prayer in this church, um, I could maybe like say a prayer over my meal. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, so I knew what praying sounded like. I could pray for myself. I felt like I had a relationship with God. But when it came to actually praying with somebody else, when it came to declaring God's favor and blessing over somebody else, like I was, I was very much not somebody who would do that. I'm kind of a, an introvert by nature. And, um, and my wife, healed me of that. <laughs> she's, uh, she's taught me to be extroverted. She taught me to be engaging and social in, uh, in a lot of different situations. So obtain favor from the Lord when you find a wife. But, uh, but maybe that's you. Maybe you're kind of introverted by nature. I want to encourage you, do absolutely develop your own prayer life first. You know, find your, your war room, your drop zone. Find that way where you can communicate with God. Allow him to speak with you. But then look for opportunities. Men's, women's prayer here in church, in your connect group. So many connect groups are, are around the church. And we always want to give an opportunity to pray corporately with each other and pray over each other. So, um, so you should learn how to pray with other people. You should learn how to, how to receive as well. And sometimes I think that's maybe one of the hardest things is just to go into a setting and allow other people to pray over you. Like God will absolutely use other people, use other voices to speak into your life, to bring the word of God into your life, to declare prophecies and blessing over your life. And we actually need to learn to allow that to happen. In Acts 4.31, it says this, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When you come to prayer, you will learn to pray with boldness. You will learn to pray fervent prayers. You will learn to see the power of God move in that situation. Not that he can't move when you're by yourself, but the Bible says where two or more are gathered in agreement, the spirit of Christ is among them. And so you start to see fire come down. You start to see the blessings of heaven. You start to see God shift atmospheres in a way that, that just doesn't usually happen when you're by yourself. So I want to encourage you to participate in that. This, these are great ways, either a personal way or a corporate way, where you can catch the spark, where it doesn't just stop with, with the start of something powerful. It actually has a sustainment to it. It can go from a spark to a flame. And that brings us to the next point, the next ability I want to speak on, to stoke the flame. 
stoke the flame. And it, it was spark when I, when I gave them the notes, and I just felt like God wanted me to shift that. So if you're taking notes and you want to go to heaven, just cross off spark and write in stoke in there. Why do you think I give you guys pop quizzes all the time? I want you to be prepared when you get up to the pearly gates and Peter asks you if you're ready. Just kidding, just kidding. So you got to stoke the flame. you got to stoke the flame. So what is the thing that needs to catch fire, really? It's us. It's us. We are the fuel. We are the thing that needs to catch fire. If we want to be a fire starter, we actually have to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and create in us that flame, that desire, that passion. And, uh, and, and so how do we do this? Well, uh, you could pour gasoline on yourself, but I don't advise that. Uh, another way, what's something else that's necessary besides fuel for a fire to happen? oxygen, air. There has to be air. There has to be oxygen coming in in order for a fire to be sustained. And we know in reading the Bible that the Holy Spirit is often talked of as a wind or as air or as the breath. And, uh, and so when you combine the Holy Spirit with that breath, that air, that wind, with fuel, which is you, which is us, you can create a sustaining flame. And it, it talks about this for the disciples the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came on to rest on each of them. And I know in some of the, the old texts and old books, you see this little tiny candle that's like sitting over, hovering over the heads of the disciples. I don't believe it was like that. I believe the Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire, that these tongues of fire, these flames consume them. Like in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire, and there was another in the fire with them, the Spirit of Christ. And so when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. But the fire was all-consuming. It was all over them. It was protecting them and guiding them. And that's what it's like. In, in this scripture as well. And it actually leads into another topic of discussion that I don't have time for today, but it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism by fire. And, uh, and stay tuned because later on in this series, we are going to talk about that and have a, a powerful time where we can pray into that specifically. But that's, that's not for right now. So we need to have the ability to, to stoke this fire. We need to, to catch the spark, and then we need to have the fuel. We need to have the wind of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit come in. Because the truth is that you can pray without the Holy Spirit present. Because everybody before Jesus did that in a religious way. They prayed without the presence of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until Jesus left that he sent the helper, that he sent the Holy Spirit. So you can pray without the Holy Spirit, without the oxygen, without the air, without the wind, but how long is that going to sustain? Probably just for a moment. If you want to sustain prayer, if you want a lasting prayer, if you want to start to stoke that flame and create something that's significant, then you need to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And, and honestly, it's just that simple. It's an invitation. Before you start to pray, even at men's prayer or before you go into your, your war room or your drop zone, just take a moment and, and say, Holy Spirit, come. Like, come into this space. Let, let, let your spirit, God, lead this prayer session. It'll change. It'll revolutionize your prayer life if you do that. Just a simple invitation because the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to force you to do things that you don't want to do. He, he's waiting for that invitation. He's waiting to come in. And, and once he does, watch out. Heaven is going to open up over your life. All right, the last one as we come to a close, spread the fire. Spread the fire. Now, when we, when we spoke about ways to start a fire or ways to create a spark, we talked about a lot of different ways, but we actually didn't talk about the easiest way 
The easiest way to start a fire is simply to lean over and light it from somebody else's candle or somebody else's fire. It's so simple. It's so simple. But, but why I didn't want to talk about that up front is because the nature of this, of this series and this, and this message is to teach us to pray, to teach us to be fire starters, to light our own candle for the other people who don't have a lit candle, for the other people who don't have a lit fire. Yes, the easy way is just to go over and, and grab hold of somebody who's already ablaze, who's already on fire, who's already doing amazing things for God. But what we have to realize is, is that's us. We're the people that are on fire. We're the people that are doing amazing things for God. We're the people that are changing a nation, a city, the world. So what we need to do is after we've caught the flame and after we've, we've generated the fire for ourselves and in ourselves with the Holy Spirit, we need to spread the flame. We need to go to others and teach them how to pray like, the, like Jesus taught the disciples in the Lord, Lord's Prayer. This is how you pray. And, and we need to do that. We need to invite people to men's prayer, to women's prayer, to connect groups, to all of these other places where we can come into a corporate setting. And especially for, for new believers, for new Christians that maybe don't know how to pray or, or don't understand the process, they can come in and they can re just receive. They can soak. They can, they can see other people demonstrating what it means to pray. How do I pray with boldness? How do I, how do I bring down the fire of heaven? How do I change Supreme Court decisions? How do I cure cancer? How do I do any of these things that we pray about in the book of miracles? Like God is an awesome God and he wants to bless us. He wants to move on our behalf, but he wants us to move the mountains. He wants us. And in the Bible, the Bible never says that God is going to move your mountain for you. Did you know that? The Bible says Jesus taught his disciples, if you speak to the mountain with even a mustard seed of faith, then the mountain can, will jump into the sea. The, the, Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to make the mountain jump into the sea for you. He says, we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to have that mustard seed of faith. We're supposed to speak to the mountain. We're supposed to speak to the storm. storm. Jesus demonstrated for us so that when he left and when he sent the Holy Spirit, we would be able to catch the fire. We would be able to hold on to what he initiated. He was the OG fire starter. His face set like flint started, started a passionate move of God that has not ceased and will ever cease until he comes back. Somebody say amen. So why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm going to close and I want to pray for us. I want to encourage us all to be fire starters that we can create a spark, we can catch it, we can stoke the flame, allow the Holy Spirit to come in, and then we would spread the flame, we would spread the fire. So I'm gonna pray now, if, if you all could close your eyes, I wanna pray specifically for some people here today, and, and maybe, you've never, maybe you've never initiated that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never caught the fire that he started, I want to give you that opportunity. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. I'm not going to bring you down to the front. I don't want to embarrass you, but I, wouldn't, I do want to give you this chance to, to start that personal relationship with him, that he made it available for all. It's God's will that none should perish, but that everybody would have a chance, an opportunity to come into his family, to, to be a part of, of that holy fire that he has spread, that he initiated, that, that is moving around the world. So if that's you today, if you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe, maybe you did at one point, but you felt yourself drifting away from the purpose that God has for you, drifting away from the design, the, the plan that he has for your life, and you know that you need to get back on track and you want to rededicate your life to him, I would ask you to, to raise your hand as well so I can pray for you. Who are those ones? See that hand over there. God bless you. God bless you. See that hand. God bless you, sir. 
So proud of you. See that hand. God bless you. Anybody else? You want to dedicate your life to Christ today or rededicate it? You want to get back on the right path for him? Anybody else? God bless you. See that hand. So proud of you. Anyone else here today? With every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody's looking around, but I do want to give you the opportunity to respond to what God is doing in your life right now. Respond to his spirit, to his call. Anyone else like that? I feel like maybe there's just, see that hand. God bless you. So proud of you, sweetheart. See that hand, sir. God bless you. God bless you. So good. Why don't we do this? Why don't we say these words together? Everybody here today, especially those of you that lifted up your hand, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I claim that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins, and heaven is my home. God is my Father, and I will live out my life in a way that honors Him, that honors His sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. So proud of you. If you lifted up your hand, we have a gift that we want to give you. Right at the back, we have some friends. They have a Bible and a book called Following Jesus. It's just a simple, practical companion guide to the Word of God. So go back there, and they want to give you those gifts and pray over you, answer any questions you, that, that you may have. Before we go, why don't we do this? Everybody lift up your hands, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the move of a spirit happening in Jesus' name. We invite your Holy Spirit to come into these lives. God, I thank you that, that you are the original fire starter, and we're going to stoke that flame. We're going to catch the spark, God, that when you move on our behalf and in our lives, God, we're going to respond with prayer. We're going to see mountains cast into the sea. We're going to see cancer defeated. We're going to see your name lifted up. God, we're going to see signs and miracles in this generation. And as your word says, greater even than you did, greater even than, even than you performed are going to happen because we do it in your name. We do it with the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in us, God. I thank you that we are fire starters, that we are a fire spreading church, that we will light people up. We will push back darkness. We will see the goodness of God in this land here and now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.